0: It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app around the NFL. Coming up at 5.30, a look back at Wild Card Weekend. All the top news, all the top stories, and some correct picks and some incorrect picks, Anthony. Uh, That is coming up at 5.30. Right now, though, it is time for Not My Beat.
1: Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there.
2: You are looking live this just in not my beat
0: michael phillips was at the press conference today which is of course the top story for adam peters uh, michael uh, thank you for your time on on a tuesday do you think we'll ever do this radio hit on a monday again
1: <laughs> our odds are decreasing by the week aren't they we uh, we're filling the mondays with uh, snow and holidays and things going on and uh I don't know, maybe a, maybe a coaching introduction next week. So who's to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, next week would be quick, right? Don't they have to wait till the 22nd to do the interviews?
1: Um, not if the team loses, though, right? That, that's only if it's a winning team. So if a team loses this weekend, wouldn't they be able to to, to get after I, it?
0: See, I was under the impression – this is why – I asked uh, one of the commander's PR reps about the rules, and they were like, I don't know, like – that's why they get paid the big bucks talking about whoever they, and I joked with them because this was, this was at the, in the locker room following the season finale. Cause I was like, I was confused about some of these rules. And he's like, honestly, I don't, I don't know. That's why these guys get paid the big bucks. And I was like, well, they got to figure out who's going to get paid the big bucks first. And he's like, true. Good point. Turns out that's Adam Peters, but I was under the impression that no in-person interviews, basically period could happen. Everything was virtual until the 22nd.
1: Okay, so we'd be two weeks away. Um, what really skews this cycle as well is you've got Belichick and Vrabel who can do whatever they want, whenever they want, because they've been fired. Uh, Harbaugh, too, to that extent. So right. you have the usual collection of assistants, but then you have three names looming over everything on top of that that have to sort themselves out, too. Uh, quite, the, uh, quite the circuit this year.
0: Yeah, no, there's a ton of great candidates. Like if I had an opening, I'd feel pretty confident I can land someone. Like I was talking, I was talking to my mom earlier today who uh, is down in the Carolinas and she, she does not want Belichick. So there's, there's your hot takes. Mom making the show with, with her hot takes. She's like, I if they hire Belichick, I'm not, I don't think I'd root for them anymore. I was like, wow, mom, that's, that's bold. He's the greatest coach of all time. Anyway, uh, that's <laughs> enough take. of mom's hot takes. Um, but like even Carolina is going to get someone good. Um, cause there's, there's a bunch of great candidates, but, uh, we'll, we'll circle back to the head coach thing in a second. What's your biggest takeaway from, from Peters and the intro presser today?
1: Yeah. A lot, a lot of humility, uh, obviously, uh, just excited to have somebody who's excited to be here. Right. Like, uh, I know everybody says they're excited to be here, but most people are just here for the money. Uh, that's kind of the way it's been for the last 15 years. Uh, refreshing to have an actual top candidate say, I-, I went and visited with a lot of people, and this is the place I want to be. Uh, that-, that feels new and refreshing and excellent, and uh, I think it's something for this team to really uh, you know, latch on to, for this fan base to be proud of that this is, once again, a desirable job. Uh, beyond that, not a lot of specifics. Um, I, I appreciated though, that he didn't offer them because, uh, every time he was asked, he said, I'll have to do that in conjunction with the head coach. And, uh, I think, you know, Craig, he doesn't actually have to, he can flex. He, he's going to have more power in the building. Uh, but the fact that he wants to work collaboratively with the coach, uh, I think is good news for everybody.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I, it was so interesting. Um, you know, you, you write stuff sometimes or you do an interview sometimes and you watch how it then goes through the life cycle of social media. And I actually don't mean this in a bad way in this particular case, um, although sometimes things go in the life cycle of social media. And you're like, whoa, that was a rough life. Um, but I, we did the interview on on the show Friday with Scott Pioli. And Scott talked about, and for those that don't know, uh, Michael, I I assume you know this, like Pioli gave uh, Peters his first job in New England way back in 2002, I think it was. Um, But Pioli talked about how, you know, yes, like this GM hire is really important, but like ultimately a team will, no matter who is the boss, take on the personality of a head coach. And Adam understands that and that, you know, getting this head coach right and, and ultimately serving what the head coach's vision is going to be. So to like watch everyone latch onto that quote from Friday from Pioli, and then hear Peters today was like, "Oh yeah, no, that's really who he is." And I, and I think we understand that on a fundamental level, even if it is now super general and completely devoid of of those specifics you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and and, and you know I. I think he alone adds to the cachet for a coach to come here, right? As a coach, you want to be in a place with a general manager who sees the world that way. You want to be with a guy who you trust to get you good players. By all accounts, this is that guy. Now, I don't think they needed a lot of help to make this an attractive opening. I I do think it's just an attractive opening on its own merits, but you add in on top of it a guy in Adam Peters, who I think most coaches would tell you that's the kind of guy I want to work with, uh, only makes this more attractive.
0: No doubt. Uh, Michael Phillips, of course, Washington Times, uh, 9'10", the fan in Richmond as well, which you can listen to his show, MP on the mic every day, on the free Odyssey app. Um, Do do we feel like we know anything about the kind of head coach he is looking for based off his answers today?
1: No. I mean, uh, the tea leaves you want to read here, right, are that Bob Myers got this guy and Spielman's got ties with Ben Johnson, right? If if you want to read – Clues and tea leaves. I think that's the direction you'd probably take it. Uh, I didn't hear anything that, that confirms that suspicion either way today. He, he played everything very close to the vest. And uh, I mean, look, he's from that general manager world. You've talked with agents and general managers before. You know, they, they, general managers don't like to share about their team and about what they're going to do. And even on the draft picks, you know, very cautious. Uh, the, the best we got was, I think there are some cornerstone guys here. End of sentence. Uh, so that tells you he's, he's going to play his cards close to the vest, and, and I, don't think, I don't think he's going to be a guy we hear from regularly. I don't think there's going to be like an Adam Peters show every Wednesday night down at a steakhouse. Uh, I think he's a guy we'll hear from at the Combine uh, before the draft and maybe again at training camp, and I think that's kind of the extent of the interaction we'll get with him, uh, but I, I can tell you this. If he wins football games, he's all right with me.
0: Yeah, for sure. So you don't think that we're going to get the Jerry Jones weekly radio hit from Adam
1: Peters? Uh, I know that's crushing to you. Uh, I know you were really lobbying for that there on the team. Uh, You know, there's still hope. There's always hope. Uh, You know, maybe the next head coach will be a talker who really, uh, you know, really loves your program. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll hold out hope.
0: Yeah, we will. Um, and that they'll ignore all kinds of back end uh, <laughs> contracts and relationships that absolutely do not need to get into right now
1: uh, live on it the radio. Hap- it happened once in this town.
0: Yeah, well, there's that. Uh, I think let's put it this way. <laughs> I think we got a better chance with a player than the coach. We'll put it, we'll put yeah. it that way. Um, and uh, if if a player would like to do a weekly hit with me, then they they can get in touch. Uh, Michael Phillips with us here on the Hoffman show. So we know that it'll take a couple weeks here to get the head coach in place. And so much of it is going to have to de- depend on their vision and whatever, but what do you make of his non-commitment to really anyone on the roster? Like that quote where he's like, you know, I think we have long pause, by the way, after the question from David Aldridge about the roster uh, and then going like, yeah, I think we have some cornerstone pieces, but we'll evaluate everything. Like what is there to take or not out of that answer?
1: I think we have some cornerstone pieces uh, unsaid, and I plan on trading them for draft picks as soon as I get my hands <laughs> on that steering wheel. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think there's a full non-commitment to anything that, that was going on here. And I, I thought it was funny. Um, he never used the word culture. Um, he used 19 synonyms for culture from the thesaurus, uh, but did not use the word culture. I have to believe that was intentional after, of course, Ron Rivera's big show about culture, that, uh, you know, now he comes in and says, yeah, these are guys who just need a leader, right? Um, well, that you know that, that's a pretty big indictment of the previous regime, and not an unfair one. It is a fair one. Um, but he, he at least couched the language. He, he was studied. Uh, he didn't just show up at a press conference today and start yapping. That's how I do my radio show. That's probably why I do a radio show. And, and he's general manager of a professional football team. He, he, he had a studied, uh, measured approach to everything he said. He was not caught off guard by anything. Uh, you say he, he greeted Several members of the meet as he went down, uh, Nikki Javala, uh, she said, like, I, I haven't interacted with him, you know, in, in eight years since we were in Denver together. Um, so you could tell he had done his homework, knew would be there, knew what he wanted to say, communicated it. Uh, that, those little bits of professionalism uh, are maybe not the most fun for sports talk radio, but are a ton of fun for people who want to decide what football team to play on or what football team to coach. Uh, so I, I think everything he did today – only increases how people will view him internally uh, even if maybe externally he's not going to be a superstar
0: were you on his prep sheet did you get a personal interaction
1: i did not but we've also never interacted before Uh, i've only ever covered i've only ever covered this team and uh, he has no overlaps here so i have to wait for the raheem morris or uh, bobby floik presser to, to get my shout out
0: yeah no that's that's a good point um, well, you said several. Like, we, we all heard the one with Nikki. I just wasn't sure if there was more off air and if he had, you know, done, gone full, like, oh, God, I got to memorize the names, you know, oh, doing flashcards. Uh,
1: no, Ben got one. Um, and, and, you know, Ben does, yeah, does, uh, does a lot of work with the agents and all that at, at the athletic Ben's standing. Yeah. Um, we know who like <laughs> 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 um, I feel like one other person got one. Uh, I'll, I'll have to come back to that yeah no um
0: does, i always i always kind of chuckle when david asks a question because i just want to be like david you're in the hall of fame i know it's a different sport but everyone knows who you are
1: you're david aldridge. I'm, D- I'm david aldridge uh and i'd like to ask you a question y- yeah go for it buddy you're yeah. famous right um, exactly
0: we all used to watch uh, you on tnt um can anyway. i
1: can i derail us with my 60 second david aldridge story uh absolutely <laughs> we're 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 at Hattie B's uh in uh, in Nashville, uh, having having hot chicken before the yes. Titans game there and uh the the waiter comes over and goes, Man, you're David Aldrich. What are you doing here? And he said, Well, I'm I'm here for the game. The you know, the Redskins are here tomorrow. he No, the the NBA team's down in Memphis, you're in the wrong city And he goes, No, you know, I, I, I do I do this now and he goes, No, you're NBA on T N T. You gotta go to Memphis, man <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible.
0: That's so good. <laughs> oh, that's funny. This man really thought David Aldridge didn't know where David Aldridge was supposed to be. Bruce, he doesn't know David Aldridge very well. David Aldridge is always exactly where he needs to be. Um, yep. Man, I had another question, and then you sidebar me with the David Aldridge story, and now my ADD is kicked in. And now I'm trying to stall to see if I can remember it because we're live with Michael Phillips, like really yeah. actually live here on uh, the Team 980. Of course, Michael's show every day on nine ten, the fan uh, down in Richmond, which you can listen to live on the free Odyssey Yeah, Michael, what were we talking about before the David Aldridge story?
1: I'll I'll, I'll say this as well on on Adam Peters. I don't think people appreciate how tough of a job the next three months are for him. Um, You talk about, look, in San Francisco, they probably didn't spend a lot of time talking about what they would do if they had the number two overall pick. That probably wasn't on, on their vision board for the year, right? That probably wasn't what their scouts were primarily interested in. Um, he's got a different set of scouts here. Uh, he's got to rebuild his staff. He's got to figure out what he wants to do at number two. Uh, these are all good problems to have, of course, um, but but he's got to put in a lot of work really quickly to get some trusted voices in his ear, probably do a lot of scouting himself, do the senior bowl circuit, and make a really important franchise-altering decision that's not at all a layup of a decision, right? Some years it's, you're number two, you'll be receiving this quarterback because he's the consensus second best. This is not one of those draft years. So he, he, he's he got some hard work ahead of him here. Uh, not that he doesn't fully embrace that, of course, but I it, it's a, it's going to be a grind here for them these next three months. Although
0: I just stalled and you're like, I have a take. Don't worry about it. Um, I didn't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> but I, to your point, um, I think – like. He has an idea of of what he thinks of these quarterbacks. Like, he's done some scouting, but like he said, like, he's got to figure out what the, the coach wants. And so he might have a board right now based off of certain characteristics. And, you know, like, hey, if I was plugging it into Kyle's scheme, I'd want quarterback X based off of what I've seen on film, but they haven't done any of like this or very little, I would say of the scouting part of scouting yet, which is actually talking to people and getting to know the character of, of how they work and how they learn and whether that fits with your coach and all that kind of stuff. They've just done the tape evaluation, which is a totally like that. That's, you know, let's say 60% part, 70% of the part of the evaluation, but that other 40, 30, 40% is really important. But like, I, I think the, the restraint to, to basically pretend like he doesn't know anything today is actually impressive because it does <laughs> yes. empower that head coach, not to mention like if, if you're a head coach, if you're Ben Johnson and you're the number one guy on the market and you have one general manager, that's like, I've got a quarterback that I love and I can't wait to take him. and We're going to get this coach in here and coach him up versus another one who's like, I got to talk to my coach and we'll go from there. Which one would you want to work
1: with? You know, I, everything he said today plays really well among head coaching candidates. And you know, they, they, He gave, what, a seven-minute opening statement. Honestly, I thought just as a person, that was probably the coolest part, that that here he is at kind of the biggest moment of his professional life, and he wants to take a minute to thank just a whole lot of people along the way. And I can tell you this, from my perspective, that's awesome. I I do want to hear about the people who made a difference to you and and everybody you want to thank along the way, Um, that 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 was important to him. I thought was really cool. Uh, And then it was time to get down to business, and he had no interest in getting down to business with us, and I respect that.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, Michael Phillips with us. Of course, you can read his work in the Washington Times and uh, listen to his radio show daily, 10 a.m. to noon on 910 The Fan in Richmond via the free Odyssey app. So the question that I was going to ask before the David Aldridge story, we were talking about uh, kind of what he said about the people in the building currently and how they just need new leadership. Uh what did you make of that answer cuz you know like scouts know each other he's been on the road like he's done this he probably does know some of the commander's scouts even if it's very you know surface level but the fact that he seemed to have a feel for the building and an idea of what it needed I thought was kind of interesting like what did you make of that answer
1: Yeah you're also kind of saddled with these people for the next 3 months you There's don't really that. want your first message to them to be I can't wait to replace all these people once we get past, you know, April 28th and, you know, in in Detroit and get over, get this thing over with. Um, So I don't know that I'm putting a lot of stock in the deep meaning of that statement category uh, so much as he would like these people to return his phone calls uh, until such time as he deems them unnecessary for employment here.
0: Yeah, no, I also thought about that. That's also the nice thing to say. Um, I was kind of surprised that nobody, as you got down the line past you and, and some of the guys who got to ask questions first, guys and gals that got to ask questions first, that nobody asked about Mayhew specifically. But do you, like, did anything he said today make you change your mind on what you thought was going to happen to Martin Mayhew and or Marty Herney?
1: You know, Mayhew's probably the more intriguing of the two just because of that San Francisco connection, right? right. And, uh, you know, they've they've worked together and they know each other. And uh, I think it's up to him how much of a reduced role he's willing to accept, him being Mayhew, of course. Um, you know, I, I don't get the sense the door is closed to him doing something else. maybe anything close to what he did this year. Even acknowledging that Ron had final say, he did a lot of things. Mayhew did a lot of things for this year's team. Uh, I don't think that's in the cards, obviously, but I think if he wants to be here on a reduced roll, I don't get the sense that the door is closed to that by any stretch. So, and, and, you know, some of that is not going to be up to Adam, Peter. Some of that is going to be up to the market, you know, this vague concept that we always talk about. What will the market say? Is, is Mayhew a guy who's going to get a general manager job in this market? Uh, you know, I can't answer those big-picture questions other than to say, I don't know a lot of people that leave here and get better jobs than when they arrived here.
0: Yeah, well, that's something that I think is going to change in the next decade. Uh, hopefully, if Adam Peters is as good as we think he is, he's going to hire people that ultimately go other places. Uh, kind of like San Francisco's been, like like Philly has been, uh, like Cleveland's about to be. Um, there's going to be some GMs that get hired out of that front office as well. Um, so that'll be that'll definitely be an interesting thing to watch. But I agree with you. Like, I don't think that him saying that means like, oh, actually, Mark Mayhew's staying now. Uh, that that was what we went on and said there. Like, I. I tend to lean more into the these are people that are going to work. Like, there's a lot of people, Mayhew and Herney not included, that are going to work here because you can't really replace them now because that's how scout, the scouting world works. Uh, and it goes draft to draft, not season to season. And uh, you don't want to fire them at a press conference.
1: The NFL calendar is so weird, right? you got the coach carousel now, but the season's not over yet. The season will end, but you won't have the scouting carousel. That's in April and May. It, it, you know, it's the the – weirdest business that uh, somehow seems to continue working and gaining in popularity by the minute.
0: Should we bookmark a June segment? I don't know. Maybe we can tape it before your show and we'll air it on both. That way the Richmond folks and the DC folks both get it. Uh, But the joint, a joint segment, Michael remaking the NFL calendar for like middle of July.
1: That is the perfect June segment. I was workshopping a change to the wildcard calendar um, I loved having having two games on Martin Luther King Day. I thought that was a nice addition. But I I, I did think I would move the Saturday 4:25 game to Sunday at one. I think you need the Sunday triple header. I'm not I'm not ready for two games on Saturday yet. Uh, I want the triple header Sunday instead. So we, we can make this a comprehensive event.
0: Mm, okay, so yeah, we can we can go through the entire NFL calendar and uh, for much less than the owners are paying Roger Goodell. fix (laughs) it. Our
1: rates are very reasonable, Greg.
0: Yes. uh, I'm going to stop that there before i get us both in trouble uh michael phillips he does a radio <laughs> show that they pay him some amount of money for uh down in richmond <laughs> it's called him be on the mic it's nine or sorry it is 10 a.m to noon on 910 the fan you can listen to that live on the free odyssey app and of course you can also read his work because he's a, a real print journalist who writes stuff in the washington times michael thank you sir and we'll talk to you next Monday, day tuesday sometime
1: whenever it is it is always a pleasure. I will talk to you whenever it is.
0: Yeah, next week, as they say in the business. All right, thank you, sir. That is Michael Phillips here on the Hoffman Show uh, on the guest line. We'll take your calls on the Ace Law listener line a little bit later. Uh, just after 6 o'clock, we will do our pick six, and then we'll take your calls on the back end of that. So if you missed Adam Peters' presser, the six most interesting sound bites from it are coming at 6 o'clock. But next, we will go around the NFL, take a look at all of the games, all the big stories, so much to talk about from Super Wild Card Weekend next on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Always good, Anthony, when I start talking right as the lyrics come in. Sounds great. Do you know what song is? this is? Uh, no, inform me. I've heard it before, but I can't remember the name.
2: Uh, it is Ace of Spades, Motorhead. All right. Why'd you pick that? Actually, one? it's Motorhead, Ace of Spades. Yeah,
0: I was about to say, I'm pretty sure Ace of Spades is the band. But... Yeah. There's that. Ugh, my back is just got real stiff. So people on YouTube are seeing me stretch all kinds of awkward ways. Ugh, we do stream live all three hours if you want to see what kind of shenanigans happens during the show. Because we keep it professional sounding. Not always professional looking. Uh, you can stream us on YouTube, uh, at the team 980. We also post highlights of the show there. And of course, if you miss any part of it, the Hoffman Show podcast. So if you want, for instance, my thoughts on Adam Peters, uh, through which started the show, you can go listen to them right now. Uh, that four o'clock hour already up in the podcast feed. Just search the Hoffman Show and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen on demand. 530 on a, uh, Quasi-Monday, Tuesday, after a holiday weekend, football games all weekend long. We go around the NFL, and uh, we'll go a little bit deeper into all of these games. Uh, Obviously, we'll get back to Peters and his introductory press conference, the main story of the day. Coming up at the top of the hour, we will do a pick six, kind of training camp style, how we originated the segment, where we pick six of the most important things playing for you at 6 o'clock. So uh, six takeaways from the Adam Peters press conference coming up. At six right now, though, Anthony, we go around the NFL. Let's do it, shall we? Uh, starting with the games on Saturday and a shellacking of the Cleveland Browns. Um, I think what's going to be really interesting to follow for the next two to three years is: is Bobby Slowick a dude as a as a coach? Is C.J. Stroud a dude as a quarterback? Or are they both dudes? Because they're doing some dude stuff. They dropped. I mean, they they really only dropped 31 because there were two pick sixes in this game. But shy two possessions, right? Because when you have a pick six, that takes a possession away from your offense. So they only ran. God, I think they ran like 45 plays in this game. Let me uh, let me look at that real quick. Um, but yeah, they ran they ran 44 total plays in the game, Anthony. And in those 44 offensive plays, they scored 31 points. Like they wrecked a good great even Browns defense that was one of the best in football for most of the year and I think it showed a couple things one CJ Stroud is ridiculous he is Orlovsky had a good bar on Monday's edition to get up. He goes, I don't know how many quarterbacks are better than this dude in the league right now, but it's less than his jersey number. And if you can't remember, he just sit there driving home through the snow, focusing on the road, please. Uh, CJ Stroud wears the number seven. So not a lot of dudes in the league better than him straight up right now. Nevertheless, you know, by age and experience. But um, it also, I think, shows you the value of, One great offensive lineman. This is a working theory I have that I'm going to put to the test uh, as we dive into some of these playoff teams uh, and and kind of look at how these teams are built. But Laramie Tunzel just shuts down Miles Garrett. And the fact that you don't have to help on Miles Garrett because Laramie Tunzel is the best pass-blocking left tackle in the league means the other four offensive linemen are – like their jobs become way easier because they have help – whether it's they can help each other, uh, four on three and a, a four-man front, whether they can get backs and tight ends to come in and help, but like you just don't have to help that guy, and where, or if you know even if they move Miles Garrett around and get him off of Larry Tunzel, Tunsil, then you definitely have a one-on-one that you feel great about. Tunzel's not giving up a sack to not Miles Garrett, so I think that like combination of great left tackle in this particular case, um, great young quarterback, and a play caller who knows how to leverage his run game and his pass game and marry it up and get the play action shots. Um, it's just a hell of a combination. And, oh, by the way, their defense is pretty damn good too.
2: Yeah, I was talking – uh, I was trying to talk to Zaire and the rest of my line brothers about C.J. Stroud and whether or not it's the system that, you know, Bobby Sloak has, you know, somehow managed to really get going um, really over the, uh, the course of the year. Or if it was just, you know, C.J. is just this good. Because he only passes for, what was he, 16 for 20? He had 21 drop or pass attempts. And for him to go out there and put up 274 and three tuts, I feel like a lot of the throws were very easy. You know, they schemed the defense up, you know, perfectly. Um, So I'm not necessarily sure, like, what to make. But it's the fact that CJ is out here uh, making the throws and leading his team to uh, to victory. So I I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, pressure on him next year but i i just want to know like is it slow it is it cj it's impossible I, I, to know <laughs>
0: but i mean i and, and obviously like cj is going to only get better that theoretically this is mm-hmm. as bad as he's ever going to be the one thing that logan made a great point we were talking about this this morning on the pod but he's like the one thing you can definitely give slow it credit for is they learned this offense in a year yep like you know, when you hear it takes two, three years to – and, like, by the way, it's not this isn't like a shot at EB or a shot at Scott Turner or anybody that's been here. Kyle Shanahan will tell you it takes three years to learn a system. Sloick found a version that his guys, many of whom are young babies in this league, could learn in a year. All their important pieces are new. Like Nico Collins, new. Tank Dell, new. Dalton Schultz, new. C.J. Stroud, new. Like, all them dudes never run this stuff before. Um, And maybe they've run versions of West Coast. Maybe they've run versions of different things. But, like, new stuff, they learned it. And they figured out uh, the right mix of enough stuff that it's hard for the defense, but not too much that they can't do it at a high level. And that is tremendous from an OC and a staff. Like, obviously, D'Amico and Sloic collaborated on bringing in the rest of the position coaches. They did a great job building that staff. Like, that is that is a well-coached football team. And it's one that is only going to get better as long as they have reinforcements. And that's the thing that's going to be tough and like kind of test the defensive head coach theory is if slow, leaves to get a job, which I think he will um, who's next. And can that person build on what they've had? The one thing that I, I would definitely think to does that I just don't understand when coaches do like if you're, if you have a head coach or if you have an offensive coordinator and you're a defensive head coach and your OC leaves, because he's been successful, why would you bring in a coach with a different system? Why would you replace you know, a West Coast guy from the Shanahan tree with anything but a West Coast guy from the Shanahan tree? Yeah. I, want a, I want a guy who speaks the same language. I want a guy who thinks the same way. Like, Go find someone, the best person, to, lo- to conti- have the continuity on what you had. Uh, maybe there's a couple tweaks, and obviously everyone's going to call it differently. You're going to lose something. But I would rather do that than like, oh, yeah, we got this weird Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniel system or the Eric Coryell system or whatever else. Um, and I, I think D'Amico probably thinks that way. I would think he thinks that way. Uh, and they'll try to keep some continuity, even if Sloak leaves, for C.J. Stroud. Um, on the Browns side, like, congrats on a great season. Um, despite the fact that you did the dumbest thing that an NFL team has ever done for a quarterback for the worst possible person you could do it for, or one of the worst possible people you could do it for, your roster is good enough anyway, and like to me, this shows why this Browns front office is so well thought of around the league because they've got guys all over the place. Uh, Flacco, hats off to you, sir, for coming back and, and doing that. You know, I wonder if he's going to be done or whether he comes back and a team would definitely take a flyer on him based off the five and one record that he had down the stretch. But ultimately, like he's still Joe Flacco. He still threw some really bad picks. And, uh, that's, that's probably the biggest difference in this game, uh, Saturday night dolphins chiefs. And I know everyone wants to dunk on the dolphins because they, again, fell apart, so to speak in December, they lose on on a, you know, minus 30 degree wind chill night, but bro, like this ain't about, this ain't about them being soft or not built for it. Like they didn't have the dudes. They're on like their fourth and fifth, you know, outside linebackers. Mostert's banged up, Waddles banged up, Hills banged up. Like they just they're not remotely close to the the football team that they were in October and November in terms of the actual players on the field. And yeah, are there some things where they probably need to rethink some stuff schematically and like maybe have a little bit more toughness with what they do and not so much rely on winning with the pen? Uh, as well as much as they won with the pen this year, in terms of being just so schematically like superior and finding different angles and creating stuff, so that when you get in a in a sloppy nasty game in December and everything's not quite as sharp because it's freezing cold outside, that you can still win. Yeah, they they probably do need to do some level of review there. But the biggest reason they lost is like Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb and uh, Andrew Van Ginkle and many others were not playing, and that's that's not the same team that was the number one seed in the AFC for parts of this season.
2: Yeah, I, I I hear you on the defensive side of the ball, but they still had their offensive guys out there. And I know everybody's banged up. You know, Waddle, he's playing through injury. Uh, Mostert, H. Hand, they're all playing through injury. But if you're out there on the field, I think you're expected to go out there and produce. And for I just sure. don't think uh, the Dolphins, you know, offensively, down the la- over the last month, they've been clicking on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, I do think they have a, a great defense, but when this season started, everyone was, you know, marveling at the offense. We weren't really talking about the defense. Yes, their defense has, you know, kept them in games and, you know, helped them win games over the last month. But we've been talking about the offense. And the offense didn't come out there and produce. That's on Tua. That's on um Mike McDaniel as well.
0: No, it is. Tua, I think, probably is the, the guy that you have the most to ask about. I mean, he's 20-39. It's not very good. Um, you know, only throws for 199 yards. I do wonder if they could have run the ball a little bit more. Like, can you keep that established? But they're also down, you know, 7 nothing in the first. They they lose the second quarter as well, so they're down, what, 16-7 at halftime. Um, do you just abandon the run game? Uh, and that's, that's probably not a great way. So I, I would tend to think they come back a little bit more physical next year. Um, and I think McDaniels is smart enough and has seen it work in San Francisco that he'll do that. But it also goes to show you like the value of home games for them. Like that's a team built on speed and mm-hmm. they had their chance against Buffalo and other chances in the final weeks of the season to get it one more win and, and win the AFC East and be at home last weekend, they didn't, they lost. And as a result, uh, they're gonna they had to go to Kansas City, who, by the way, was really good. There and that defense is also like let's not let's not get it twisted. Man. Their defense is nasty in KC. And all of a sudden guys starting to catch the ball a little bit. Like Travis Kelsey had a had a couple of drops, but like Rashi Rice, eight catches, one thirty, that dude's sick. And if those you know Sky Moore, um, you know, Rashi Rice, like they've invested the, you know more didn't play, I don't think. I'm pretty sure he's out um didn't have a target um but like they have these guys that they've invested in right and if they ever turn out and rice is a rookie so i think he's probably going to turn out but you get a second round like receiver like that's a really good football player and so all of a sudden they figure out how to use some of these guys playoff pat does playoff pat stuff he has two big carries in the game uh and and that's that's how the the chiefs are, are going to win All right, when we get back, we'll speed through some of the other games. Some of them there's not a whole lot to talk about. Obviously, some of them, Cowboys, Eagles, there's plenty to talk about. So we'll get to all of those games, plus the game of the weekend, uh, game of the weekend, Rams-Lions, next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Going around the NFL, uh, by the way, uh, from a pick standpoint, Anthony, how was your Saturday? Uh, I went 0 and 2, correct? Sure did. I went 2 and 0. As did Vic, I believe. Um, I gotta I gotta go back and listen to uh, see exactly who won the weekend. Uh, but I think it was me. Uh, cool. Packers and Cowboys definitely didn't get this one right. Uh, the Cowboys, like, they stunk early in this game, and their defense was not good throughout. I do think this is going to be the most unpopular take in town because. I'm about to defend Dak Prescott in a town full of many Cowboys fans who hate him, and of course, Washington fans who also hate him. But, like, Dak, by the end of this, kind of was back on track. I mean, they did score 32 in this game, despite being shut out and being pretty terrible early. He has two huge mistakes. Those are, I don't want to say indefensible, but, like, they really mattered. But he did throw for 403 yards and three touchdowns. He never stopped fighting. And I say all that to say this the Cowboys have a huge decision to make on him because he has a massive cap number. Um, And I would assume they probably restructure and try to bring that cap number down. Uh, But he's due to count like 59 million on the cap next year. Dak Prescott's really good. And he played at an MVP level most of the year. And I think that just because he had a bad playoff game, yes, it's another bad playoff game, but a quote unquote bad playoff game where he throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns, albeit with two picks would be a very stupid reason to move on from him A.K.A. good luck finding a better quarterback than Dak Prescott in the modern NFL. Um, And, like, again, because of where the commanders are in their timeline, like, I wouldn't want Dak here. But if I was another team who I thought was a quarterback away from contending, I would want Dak Prescott Um, because I think he can help you win and win in the playoffs, even if it hasn't really been his jam to this point. It is pretty funny, the graphic I saw over the weekend – Uh, Dak Prescott, Tony Romo each have two. Count them, one, two playoff wins. Nick Foles has four.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm on the same boat as you, Craig. Uh, I'm not going to put all the blame on Dak. I think if you go out there and give up 48 points, I think everybody gets, you know, some of the blame pie. But the defense, 48 points, that is on the defense. Like... I thought Jay was interesting uh, earlier today on,
0: on Russell's show, um, and I've, I've seen some similar things. Like, Dallas is a smaller defense, and they get beat up against this Kyle Shanahan-style of running game, uh-huh. and that's kind of what happened. Um, Green Bay can run the ball whenever they want, then yep. they hit the play-action shots. I will also say, for as much as Aaron Rodgers sucks as a, as a dude, um, that dude was, it, like, one of the best quarterbacks we've obviously ever seen play, and the way he ap- – like, even if it was most, most. I don't think Aaron Rodgers was, like, mentoring Jordan Love in a major way. But they clearly shared a, a QB room for multiple years, and, and I think, you know, it seems like they have a good relationship. Um, the, way, the similarities in how they play is crazy to me. Yeah. Like, the way Love moves around the pocket is if he's doing a Rodgers impression, that quick release, that kind of, like, jump every time you throw deal. It's it's wild. It's like for a guy on. that was so unique in how he did it in Rodgers, to see Love mimic that to a T is crazy. Because no one else does it that way, but it works. And Lafleur's got them cooking. Yep. You know, do I trust them long term with Joe Barry coordinating that defense? Absolutely not. Do I think they're about <laughs> to give up a ton of points this weekend? Sure do. But what they're doing offensively is impressive. And if they can get the defensive side right. Over the next couple of years, they're going to be really nasty. Because, by the way, they're the youngest team in the league, by a lot. This is as uh, there was a great line from I think it was Tarico uh, on on the broadcast when he's like, "This is as bad as they're going to be." Or uh, from Greg Olson, I think on the broadcast, "This is as bad as they're going to be for like the next five years." Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Rams Lions. This was the best game of the weekend, and it comes down to red zone execution. Ben Johnson schemed up some really good stuff in the red zone. Sean couldn't get them to score in the red zone. Um, that doesn't mean Ben Johnson's a better coach than Sean McVay. Just it was on this particular day, the execution mattered. Uh, Aaron Aaron Glenn's defense did a good job of bowing up, um, especially in the second half. Is is obviously the Lions' offensive point production slow, but they also bowed up in the red zone and you force field goals and and you win a game at home and. What a cool moment for the city of Detroit. Just has been waiting for this for so long. Um, and for Jared Goff, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, th- there's some great sound from the postgame locker room that will play for you an hour from now in real things. And Dan Campbell kind of plays into the narrative about Goff in L.A. And it's like, hey, he goes, hey, Jared, like, you know, all I got to say is this. You're good enough for us, Jared Goff. And he tosses him the game ball and everyone goes nuts. And that's great. This was a both teams won the trade trade. L.A. won a Super Bowl. And they won it in L.A., which is what their whole plan was. The timelines matter. And good for Jared Goff for going to Detroit, being like, I'm not done. You're not, I'm not going to be one of these guys that becomes a career backup. I'm good enough to start in this league. I'm good enough to win in this league. Putting in the work. Good job by Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes, their GM, of building something. Good job of Campbell for moving on from Anthony Lynn after year one. To be like, this isn't the right guy for me for finding Ben Johnson, for hiring him, for empowering him to do what he's done with that offense. Like, this is a modelly built franchise in the way that they've done it and set themselves up here, which is crazy because it's the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions have been the anti-model franchise for 50 years. And now they're they're a team that others are trying to emulate. And congrats, good for them.
2: Yeah, shout out to the Lions going out there and getting the dub. However, Craig, I was very upset to hear them boo Matthew Stafford after everything that he had done for the city. I don't think they were justified in you know going out I, there and booing. That yeah,
0: guy. I mean, I don't. I think if you boo him during the game, it's fine. He's he's the opposing quarterback. Um, you you cheer him before, you cheer him after. There better be. I mean, Matthew Stafford for what he gave, including a couple of ribs, it feels like uh, deserves to have his number retired in Detroit. Exactly. Um. But by the same token, like Jared Goff just did something Matthew Stafford never did, won yep. a playoff game in Detroit. Yeah. Um, mostly that was not Matthew Stafford's fault remotely, nope. uh, but uh, that is a, a bizarrely true statement. Uh, Steelers, Bills, not a lot to say here. Steelers are not very good um, by playoff team standards, and especially without TJ Watt. Uh, this game probably could have easily been 40 to nothing. And here, here's my takeaway from this game, Anthony, quickly is. It's a good reminder how quickly things can turn. One play can change things. And luckily for the Bills, it only changed it to make it a more interesting competitive game, not like a, oh, God, the results change game. But, you know, they should have punted at the end of the first half. And they try a field goal, and on that field goal attempt, it's blocked, their punter pulls a hamstring, and the Steelers ultimately score. If that is the other hamstring, the kicking hamstring, like how different is the rest of their postseason? Like they could go sign a punter, but they have to go find some – Punter who's a free agent right now, yeah. um, and is like in shape and ready to go. So, like, it, it just is a reminder that this is such a week to week league, a play to play league. Everything's pretty fragile. Um, but yeah, uh, you see that. And then Eagles and Buccaneers. We we're, we'll probably spend some more time on the Eagles tomorrow, um, because we'll either probably get an announcement that Sirianni's gone or that he's staying and they fired other people. We can talk about it uh, then. But truly, one of the worst collapses in the history of the league. And uh, I saw a great tweet from uh, our old friend, Brendan Dar earlier. And obviously they replaced Sean Desai as the defensive play caller in the middle of the season. And Dar goes, when will the NFL learn that the answer is never Matt Patricia? (laughs) Because when they made the change, it got worse. Yep. And they never found it defensively. And I think you'd have, I would have a real concern if I was an Eagles fan about the trajectory of Jalen Hurts. Um, Steichen was so clearly a big part of what they were doing. I hated the way that they like kind of put so much on him, you know. And it just shows like there's a good, there's a right way to develop a quarterback. And also, it's okay to like continue to do that. You don't develop a quarterback in a year. Jalen Hurts was incredible last year in this incubated system. Keep him in it. You can put a little bit more on his plate, but don't ask him to do everything because he had success not doing a lot last year. Um, And they they didn't rely on that O line uh, like they should have and. Uh, the result is you get pounced in Tampa by Baker Mayfield and company. Baker, by the way, insane in this game. 337, three touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I, I just feel as though the Eagles just got away from their identity, running the ball and using the, sh- the strength of the team, which is the offensive line. They put up a graphic yesterday in week three against the Bucks. They ran for 201 yards. Yesterday, they had 42 rushing yards complete opposite game plan that they had going against this Bucks team so I think it's more so I, I wouldn't even put all of the blame on Jalen Hurts to be honest like yes he didn't have a, a great last month but I, I think the the team just got away from his identity
0: yeah and it, and it hurt him uh, a lot uh, so apparently uh, Brian Powell listening on the YouTube stream uh, said Vic went three and three mm. so Brian was tracking the picks Anthony, oh, wow. with you out, we had we had multiple people picking up the slack, yeah, including some of the YouTube streamers. So Brian, <laughs> thank you, uh, much appreciated. Uh, we also let's see, uh, we got a couple other. Uh, also, we talked about Peters earlier. Uh, you know, Super Bowl in San Francisco, they did make it 2019 uh, when he was there. They lost the Chiefs, duh. Um, we're talking about Kyle uh, and 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 Peters, but anyway, uh, the point is. Uh, so thanks to to Kevin on uh, on that, uh, but the point is. That uh, I went four and two. Mm-hmm. You went two and four. Vic went three and three. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, we'll pick the divisional round games Friday at 5 30. Do not miss that. When we get back, it's our pick six at six. Six of the biggest takeaways and sound bites from the Adam Peters introductory press
2: conference next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the Free Odyssey app.